Welcome to the One in Five of Us Changing the Mental Health Landscape podcast. We are working to stop the stigma and start the conversation about mental health. One in five people will experience a mental health condition, but it takes on average eight to 10 years for someone to seek treatment. Hi, I'm Nancy Eigelmiller, the founder and executive director of One in Five, and I'm thrilled to host this podcast to help educate our community around mental health and wellness and to empower you to start the conversation. And I'm Kayla Wood, the social media specialist at One in Five. Together, we can stop the stigma and start the conversation. You belong here. We belong together. All right. So today we are talking with Patrice Brown of the Preston Brown Foundation. Patrice, thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure, Kayla. Thanks for having me, Nancy, as well. We are so excited to chat with you, um, and we're just going to dive right in. So first, we wanted to kind of ask you, you know, what makes you passionate about mental health, and if you have any experiences with mental health in your personal life, if you could share a little bit about that story. Absolutely. The uh, passion for mental health actually was born out of the uh, foundation's uh, conception by my son, Preston Brown. Local Northwest High School graduate, played for University of Louisville and ended up uh, being drafted to the Buffalo Bills. A couple of years into his seasons in Buffalo, a friend of his, actually an old teammate of his from Louisville, Louisville, had some connections up in the Buffalo market and started getting Preston engaged um, going out on his own to you know use his platform to raise funds, work with youth, motivational speaking, that sort of thing. The first uh, actual formal foundation um, activity was Preston adopted an inaugural class up in Buffalo. It was an urban teachers academy. And that was a group of uh, diverse children from underserved areas who had committed to becoming teachers or going into the teaching profession. So Preston was watching actually one of the news programs up in Buffalo at the time. And he saw it and he was just really, really excited about, you know, how could he help? He wanted to know how could he help? So he kind of got together. We talked about, you know, forming a foundation to make it official, adopting that class and seeing them through. Actually, they're seniors this year, but to seeing them through from the ninth grade forward, that's kind of where then the Preston Brown Foundation was kind of born. We had at that point uh, adopted our mission statement, which was, is still to motivate, serve and provide resources that encourage youth in underserved communities to prioritize their education, lead a healthy lifestyle and engage with respect in their communities with themselves and others. So that's where it was kind of born. We, we started with this idea, taking it from, you know, assisting with the Urban Teachers Academy and had to feel like, okay, now where are we going, where are we going to grow this? It wasn't until Preston left the Buffalo Bills and free agency in 2018 and came to the Cincinnati Bengals that, um, a lot happened that year. So in 2018, if I recall correctly, so he's making the transition from free agency. He's played like every game in his NFL career. He's been healthy and had played every game. So needless to say, his health was important to him, his physical and his mental health. He prided himself in that. Coming to the Cincinnati Bengals in free agency, he took a bet on himself, took a one-year deal 
um, in order to capitalize, leverage actually on his compensation. He left the bills. They were also negotiating with him, but he left there, capitalized on his opportunity to leverage a greater income and came to the Bengals on a one-year deal. Pretty set, never been injured, you know, 100% of snaps. Mm. Well, as life has it, first game in Indianapolis as a, as a Bengal, he actually gets hurt. So six games later, he ends up going out on IR. He never, ever, ever had missed a game. He had not missed a game probably since high school. So not even in his college career had he missed a game. Once he had to sit out and the pressures of being in that, you know, career, now you can't play. Um, you're still getting paid, but still you, you're not doing what you've done since you were six years old. And now the, the heaviness of what's going to go on with my future, I bet on myself and now I'm hurt for the first time. So watching him process that in his own um, life and, and, and seeing the, you know, the sleep habits change, the motivations change. It was very concerning to me. Obviously as his parents, his dad is actually the, uh, the president of the um, foundation. I'm, I serve as executive director. Mm-hmm. So very concerning. At that same year, I believe there was maybe three or four youth at Turpin High School who had committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And that same year, a young man that my husband had coached, Preston's dad is a teacher and coach, mm-hmm. he ended up committing suicide. So it was like a culmination of all these things just you know, watching Preston, who at that point kind of was like admitting, like after the fact, he didn't know what it was at the time, but, you know, he's like, wow, I'm depressed. That's some anxiety I'm feeling trying to get through this and determine where I'll go next. Mm-hmm. Seeing my husband just devastated with the news that this young man that he had coached had committed suicide. And again, just what was going on in the Cincinnati market. That's where our enthusiasm was born for the mental health aspect that piece of it positioning the foundation there's a program that we then it was called press forward so the preston brown foundation press forward was the motto uh, and that became the, the the mantra for our mental health programs and it was really again born out of out of love for what i saw happening you know with my own child um for my husband for what was obviously an epidemic already of great proportion that I was really very unaware of, to be quite honest. So that's where the passion was born to, to do more, to do better. We started incorporating things into Preston's. He, he gave an annual um, health and I'm sorry, an annual cheer and football skills camp every year. So we started trying to incorporate mental health messaging, awareness, um, getting out into the community, partnering. Actually, one of five was one of our first partners when we, you know, were seeking to to get some type of credibility in that space. Reached out to Nancy. I was just online searching mental health, Cincinnati youth, and 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 there they were. I'm like, wow, already here, established, doing such amazing work. And we partnered for the um, Macy's um, the mental health rally, which was. You know, it was was unprecedented and it was really a cool venture and really well received. And since then, we have just moved forward because obviously fast forward into COVID, et cetera, Mm -hmm. it has just become 
it's just become our, our, our main pillar. It's, it's just our main program. And it is especially then for us, um, diverse youth, the black and brown communities, obviously embracing that because that's, you know, that's my, that's my heritage. That's, that's, that's what I am. So that's, that's what I see. And so going into those underserved areas, partnering with those schools and um, other foundations has been, been driving, it's been a driving force for us. Yeah. Awesome. I know that you guys have done so much work in that space. And why don't you talk a little bit about some of the programs you're working on now? It's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. So what we've recently uh, adopted as a, a program that we're calling, it's still part of the Press Forward initiatives, but they're refueling stations. So what we're doing is we're partnering with area schools and providing the athletic programs and boys and girls. But this is kind of like our 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 avenue in to the youth was to go through the athletic program because during COVID, believe it or not, most of the athletic programs, although the kids were at home, they were still meeting. So all of the additional burdens and challenges that were then put on our youth during that time, we took we, we took it kind of like we took that opportunity to say, okay, those kids are still coming to school. Those kids, though, have been impacted by, you know, parents that have lost jobs. You know, they not necessarily even coming to practice with the proper nutrition. Once they get to practice, they don't have the proper sports hydration, healthy um, like fruits and and snacks. Um, so what we decided to do, we started out having these refill stations that focused on, you know, healthy food, sports hydration. And then we encompass the mental health wellness piece to give them things like, you know, stress balls, mental health awareness information, because those kids are going to come to that refill station. Mm-hmm. Um, our most recent partnership is actually with the school in um, Savannah, Georgia. Wow. So we, we, we signed up with our fourth school, Islands High School in Savannah, Georgia. We actually have given them a $10,000 donation grant. They are they're under funded charter school um, that in Georgia is like our tertiary market now. But what we're doing is partnering with them to present even mental health first aid courses. I did get certified by the um, excuse me, National Council on Behavioral Health to become a mental health first aid instructor. So I am bringing forward that initiative. It's been well received again because all you know all the kids come there while they're picking up a sports drink. You might as well have some information on self care or you know access to mental health services, mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of like a, a soft approach, right. but yet you know still allows us to to move forward, move that needle forward. And that's that's so amazing because uh, we recently did a podcast with um, one of the women who she writes a blog for us every week. um, And she is a motivational speaker. um, And she was a black student athlete. And she was talking to us about how people just don't talk about mental health in that like arena. Um, And so that's just that's so amazing that you guys are doing that work. It's very, very much needed. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, yeah, it's, it is definitely from the football camps, even that we've put on in the past, 
you see the little kids who were dropping tears mm-hmm. and then they're being told, right, suck it up, you know, and, and, and there's no harm intended. I know the coaches and the staff, they have good intent, but mm-hmm. yeah, the consequences of that um, have just exacerbated and already um, a situation already in, in the black and brown community that is, is one that's not looked on favorably. You know, you, you don't need mental health counseling. You, you know, you, you, you suck it up. You're strong, you're brave. Um, but yeah, it's just like the opposite. It needs to be told, you know, you're okay. I used to think of, of trauma as isolated events. And obviously now as I've taken it upon myself just to learn more because I, I want to want to help in that space. It's really like, no, everybody, everybody has trauma. Like, like it's not, it's more like more when, not well. If you ever, you know, it's, it's it's when, and and then how do you cope, and what tools are you given so that you can still be, you know, resilient through it all, and not have that compounded, compounded, compounded. I like I likened it, liken it to probably, you know, we hear all the time. It's like obviously like your physical health, and if you've got high blood pressure, it's like you're going to do something about it. You're going to, you know, change your diet. You're going to get some exercise. You might even need medicine. And so when it's your mental health that is that is suffering, if you don't get help, you might get through it, but it's almost like putting a Band-Aid on it. So the next event is just going to exacerbate and it's just going to blow that wound like right off, right, right open, just blow it right open. So what we want to do is is help reduce the stigma and make mental health services more accessible and just the information and the self-care we love going out and even spoiling the kids last december we had a um we had the uh oh gosh what's the challenge called ninja warrior challenge uh event for kids through um for about 30 or 40 of them in greater cincinnati and and just you know just just seeing them play and at the same time get the the message of you know resiliency but yet support Mm -hmm. like you you can't do anything by yourself um it's it's just it's just amazing the younger you can do it right i mean as kids as we know at a very young age are experiencing mental health uh challenges the younger you can do it the more receptive they are and they'll, they'll start to think of it as this is what i do i take care of me i mean heck and we've had to learn it you know, as, as an adult, you know, I have to take care of me so we can be strong for, for those. Yeah. You're, you're speaking our language. That's what I mean. We, I mean, we're, we say the same thing. You need to start early. You need to educate about the fact that your brain is a part of your body. Imagine that, and that we need to take care of it just like we take care of the rest of our body and that self-care and resiliency are also important to be able to be healthy for the duration of your life, because life can be very hard. Um, just thinking about right now during this pandemic, you know, all the, all the trauma that it has caused all of us and all the, all the isolation that it's caused. And, um, you know, especially in certain neighborhoods, it's, it's, it's overwhelming the impact that it's had. And so I really applaud what you're doing and, um, we're in the same place you are, you know, it's like, let's talk early, let's get people the, the tools they need and let's continue to have this conversation. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, no, thank you. <laughs> it says, so and you, thank you all for the work in the community. And we're just trying to I mean, COVID, unfortunately, right. Kind of sidelined us. we were trying to get out there. I mean, I'm definitely a 
face to face and, you know, a kind of warm and fuzzy kind of person. So the, that was a challenge once COVID is like all these, all these kids, what do you, what do you, what do you do? You know, and initially you're just trying to make sure they have food or they have coats. I mean, there was some, some serious pivoting we did, but yet, you know, and, and this past year making a, making it a, a point to feed, like we, we taken on the challenge to feed 1,000 um, social service workers and their clients, meaning obviously the children. And, and we've already done over 500 just since June um, and are feeding those at the Lighthouse actually March 20th of this month. We'll be providing healthy meals to their residents and their staff. I think there's a total of maybe 75. Awesome. One it sounds time. like uh, you're you're with everyone else. We've had to pivot and re refigure out where the priorities are. And so, looking forward, I I you know I keep thinking that it's going to get better here soon. It has to get better here soon. We have to be able to connect in a in a more normal way here soon. But what are you guys thinking moving forward? What what do you anticipate is going to happen in the next whatever six months? Wow. And that's been a real big challenge for us because of fundraising. Since we didn't have like a a main event to just pivot to take virtually, mm-hmm. it's been, yeah, it's been a challenge. And we're looking at 2021, maybe the fall, but still having to, to plan something virtual. Mm-hmm. What what we want to do is seek, and what we are in the process of doing, and coming up with a uh, with the, with the sponsorship program, is to get these refueling centers in as many underserved schools as we can. Because, as you all said, the, the athletes, whether it's for the adults' viewing pleasure or not, or for just for their own outdoor fun, outdoor fun, they are still showing up, you know, and they're still practicing. They still have weight training. Um, so that's a big, big need. A lot of the school staff, they were going in their own pockets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of the coaches are like, wow, this is really great what you all are doing. Plus, it kind of brings it to them on their terms mm-hmm. as far as the mental wellness information. And for us to provide that 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 service to that school, that's when we're asking for so many of their staff or administration to participate in some type of mental health uh, training. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, the more, as you guys know, I mean, I said on your, you all's QPR training. So yes, more caring adults that are aware and knowledgeable. It's like, no, we're not clinical. We're not professional. That's people. I could be therapeutic, but I'm not a therapist. Um, But I have a, um, like I said, just a passion and desire to, to help. And, And I think all of that, raising the awareness and reducing the stigma, everybody can do that. Right. Right. You don't need a degree. You don't need. You don't need anything but the desire right. to help in those areas. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we're you know, trying to work with parents. We received a grant from the Cincinnati Rotary Club, a $5,000 grant to provide free uh, youth mental health first aid training to you know, parents and school staff. Mm-hmm. So we'll be rolling that out um, over the next you know, few months. That's why it's so important, too, to, to, to get that kind of like just mental health education, like, um, like you were saying, Patrice, getting these parents and coaches and teachers, um, trained with that, be it the mental health, um, first aid or QPR or whatever it is that they have access to or can get access to, um, 
learning that language and just being able to communicate is so, so important. And that's, I'm, I'm so excited that you guys are um, bringing that with your refueling stations. And, um, and actually I did have a question about that. So with, um, with some of these schools, what kind of like, how are they receiving this stuff? Like what, what has been the perception from the schools and how they're taking that in? It's been very receptive. The probably the most challenging now is the one in Savannah, Georgia, because they are, you know, geographically far removed from us at this time. But I see it as a program that can really go nationally because it's so easy to to replicate. Um, So we're having meetings like with the principal, because, again, while we're doing that, we have to be a little bit more intentional about you know, promoting it so that we can continue to get mileage and people come to recognize just like when they see one in five, you know, it's, it's automatic. They know like, ah, you know, mental health. And I know Preston Brown Foundation, it's like, okay, we don't know yet what they do or who they are. Like, I mean, when he, when we were in market, the name obviously is, is getting some, you know, it gets recognition, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of organizations that are named for people sometimes even posthumously that nobody ever met, but, but somehow you've got to get that, you know, branding and that messaging across. So when we're talking to the school down in Georgia, we're saying, okay, this is what we would like. I mean, for, for $10,000 donation and refueling station, we would like some, some branding. We would like some messaging. We would like a banner in the stadium. We want to promote the importance of mental wellness, not just write a check, not just be meals on wheels, yep. you know, it's like we, we have to push forward the initiatives. And so they, yeah. And again, including them getting, you know, mental health training and, and because they see such value in these refueling stations, they're, they're, they're buying in and, and they recognize as those who may be new to the mental health or what the mental health challenges are, especially in the, um, you know, black and brown communities that are underserved Mm-hmm. they recognize and then more people I mean you guys have probably seen it also right I mean you have major entertainers you know African-Americans you know stepping up and stepping out and saying you know it's okay not to be okay you know I remember um back in let was last spring and, and Preston spoke out at, at, at Sycamore um obviously more of a majority type of, you know, population there, but still he was just given a, a, a little motivational speak, speech. And he just said, you know, it's okay not to be okay. He's like, sometimes I'm not okay. And so sometimes just them hearing somebody that they, you know, might've, some of those guys might be like, oh yeah, my big brother played against him or whatever. They, they can relate and they can identify. And they're saying, it's okay to not be okay. Uh, I, I'm I'm not okay, you know, and, mm-hmm. and 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 making sure that they know where to go, right, to get the support, right, is is just so important. Yeah, you've yeah. talked a lot about your foundation. Tell us how people can help you. What um what? How can they get involved? How do they contact you? All of those details. Thank you. Our our website uh, is 
PrestonBrownFoundation.org. So if you just even just Google Preston Brown Foundation, you'll find the website. We're always looking for volunteers. We believe, Nancy, as you mentioned, we will come through this and we will be back out in the community and we will be having those, you know, events and those uh, major fundraisers and whether right now we've just been doing like some some we call it door dashing where you're just dropping off different things. We could use volunteers. We could always use the financial support. And, and most importantly, we could use some sponsors, the sponsors to get these refueling stations that are looking at, again, not just their you know physical health, but their mental health, presenting that message and getting it into these underserved uh, schools is is of utmost urgency for us. So if they are interested, you can log on. There's a contact page and so you can reach out to me at info at PrestonBrownFoundation.org or fill out the form on the website and we'd be happy to get you engaged. You'll hear back from someone pronto. Great. And we will put all that in the show notes for our listeners. So don't worry about writing all that stuff down so that we are rewinding or anything. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. One other question I have to ask you, I always like to ask people this because it's, it, it helps me. So what motivates you to do this work? What do you see changing out there as you're doing it? And day to day, what, what, uh, it, it, this is hard work. What drives you to do it? It, it is at, at the end of the day, literally knowing that we can save lives, like literally, mm-hmm. We can save lives by getting the message into the you know right hands, which, as Kayla said, typically right the caring adults, the adults who are you know watching the children and noticing the changes of behaviors, um, you know, especially when it starts right impacting their, you know, their friendships or their schoolwork and those sort of things. So, so truly saving lives is the motivation. That's what I get passionate about. And especially knowing that that message is, is not as well heard in the black community, mm-hmm. knowing that I, the black and brown communities, knowing that I have a connection there and just a genuine yeah, desire to, to help. I can be accepted there. I did mention, gosh, one of our most recent partnerships with Upspring, you know, and Upspring is the only obviously organization in this region that works with homeless, you know, provides educational service to the homeless. So as a result of, of the COVID situation and the, you know, what I think they renters just got an extension maybe to September, but there is a prediction that the homeless crisis is going to just explode, unfortunately, as we get toward the end of this year. So, so knowing that that's, that's an opportunity. Those those children are experiencing the emotional repercussions of all this and, and will continue to a greater degree. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I know Preston Brown Foundation, we'll, we'll get our hands dirty. We'll get in there. We'll get the volunteers. We'll get the resources. We'll 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 support them um, as as we've been doing. And I just hope to, to grow that even more. I feel like that's a population that is overlooked, but yet. Mm-hmm. It's so critical that we that we get to them. How's Preston doing? He's doing well. He has moved to Georgia, which is why now we can pick up Georgia as our as our tertiary market. Oh. Uh, he's moved to Georgia. He's saying he, as much as he loved playing, he is starting to enjoy 
love not playing as much. <laughs> his body is healing, emotionally healing. As I pointed out to you guys earlier, right? The kid who yeah hasn't come off the field in ten you know ten years. Your body is a linebacker. He's delivering hits and getting hurt that in 2018 and then to come back in 2019 and then still try to play injured amongst all the other things that were going on changing coaching staff losing seasons i think it was just yeah it was it was a lot for him it it was it was and although they try to because they're put into that world where like oh my gosh they're this and they're they're grown men and they're millionaires like everybody thinks that that somehow insulates them from just the day to day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if, if nothing is just the complete opposite because, right. the, you know, right. Yeah. They're not sensible. It's honestly, like you were talking about earlier, the pressure, I just, I can't even imagine. Like, right. So that's good that he's, he's kind of taking a break and, and breathing. He, and he, right. He is, he yeah. is breathing and he hasn't retired yet. He had a couple of teams call last year and he, he passed, you know, so he says he'll only play again if he feels like he can have fun and enjoy it. Like the little kid again, yeah. right? The reason why they, most of them start playing, but then when it turns into something way far different than that, um, his experience in when, after the Bengals released him and having to go out on the West coast, I'm, it was just like this kid who was a six year starter is just kind of like, I think it was just like, yeah, just like, kind of like a shot. Yeah. You're just like, okay, now you're just going through the motions. Like, where am I now? I got what? I came home. I was, yeah. So then it was like, let's step back and let's, you're right. Let's breathe. The press forward mantra just continues to be exemplified in his walk, you know? So wherever that's going, what it's doing is definitely indicative of that, you know? And that's, that's why I know that it's just part of, it's just part of the story. It's, it's just meant to, it's meant to be whatever the next phase of his journey is. If it's football, if it's something else, but just, yeah, watching him recover from it all. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's really, really inspiring. And he loves talking to the kids and giving those type of motivational uh, talks. Uh, actually, the day the Bengals released him, I never forget, out at Anderson High School. This is how the kind of kid he is. The day the Bengals released him, he was due to speak at Anderson High School. And he says he got a you know call because I guess they had seen it on the ticker or something, you know, ESPN. He's like, yeah, most of us could just kind of quietly go on our way, right? But it's on the ticker. He got a call from the principal and they were like, oh, wow, we saw that, you know, you released, you want to he was like, absolutely not. Yeah. No, I don't want to, you know, cancel. I'll be there. No. And he just has this picture of him with all these kids around him and the biggest smile on his face. Because, yeah, I'm just, yeah, you, you, yeah, just keep press forward, you know, it's, it's, it's as well as you can. I just thought that was great because a lot of guys would have probably said, yeah, I'm canceling. No, he, he didn't he's, think. He's got a very strong mom. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's a very good example. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so to his, his dad, his dad was a football player. So he, yeah, he's, we definitely exist to support. So I just, I want to thank you, Patrice, for being with us today and telling us about the Preston Brown Foundation and all the amazing work that you're doing. We want to thank you again. Um, and um, we'll wrap up here today. I appreciate it. Again, thank you for the opportunity. It's been um, an honor and a pleasure. And you guys keep keep the work you're doing, and, and we look forward to doing some amazing things with you all in the in the in the future as well. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. 
to learn more about this episode, you can check out our show notes and access additional information on our website at 1n5.org. We ask that you please subscribe, rate, write a review, or share this podcast with anyone you think may be interested in hearing more about how we are changing the mental health landscape. Again, I'm Nancy. And I'm Kayla. And we hope you'll join us next time. You belong here. We belong.